Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Eeyore. I know, I love that guy. Hey, welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything. Well, now we have. Now now we have, yes. <laughs> and as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Yes. And guys, jointed. Go ahead. we are hurting right now. Um, ministry leaders across the nation are hurting right now in uh, special ways, and that's why we wanted to have um, Michael on. Michael from Project YM, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Michael Marchand. I'm one of the founders of Project YM, an organization that exists to support youth ministers and help them thrive. Um, I am in the beautiful city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our COVID count is pretty low um, down here in these parts. So that's good for now. Yeah, even even if the COVID count is down, the number of masses that have been canceled, as in all of them across the nation, yeah. is financially impacting the church in a way and ministry leaders in a way that is absolutely unprecedented. Uh, we, we have never seen this before in, in, in our lifetimes. And I can't imagine that we've seen this for hundreds of years where in, masses are canceled week after week for probably a couple months and parishes depend on those donations coming in every Sunday to be able to pay the people that are on staff to be able to pay rent, mortgage, all that stuff. And losing 80 to 90% of their income is, is having a, like a devastating effect on the ministry leaders. And so that's what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So I think there's a sense of uh, disappointment that exists among a number of ministry leaders and maybe even a sense of betrayal. Like this church that I have served for so long is now furloughing or um, firing me or my coworkers because of um, because of a, a lack of income. And even the parishes that have online tithing and online giving set up are still taking colossal hits. But the smaller parishes um, that don't have that or that don't have the skill set to be able to do online giving are going uh, are going broke right now. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know how many people you guys have um, personally seen or heard, you know, have, that have lost their jobs. I know of one parish in school that's, you know, laying off, furloughing, or severely cutting pay of over 25 people, and that's just one parish. And I was on a conference call earlier this week with um, ministry leaders and diocesan leaders around the nation, and just I had to get off the call after like eight or ten people because it was just depressing, like them talking about parishes, even large parishes, who were letting go of their entire staff, all of all but essential. Um, so that's like kind of the landscape we're in. And that's why in the intro, we talked about like, we've almost seen it all, or now we've seen it all. Like we are in the midst of seeing something brand new. So what do we do? Um, what is our response? Like, what are, what are the issues that we're facing? Um, Michael, you were talking a little bit about the show beforehand, you know, that there are a lot of, uh, other areas other than even just our own pay, um, that's being affected. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for most youth ministers is the uncertainty. And I think that's sort of what we're gripping with really outside the church too. It's not really knowing A, when this is going to end, right? And B, what things are going to look like when we're done. But you have all these youth ministers who have spent months planning for 
things that are going to be going on right now, but also throughout the summer. Um, and so they've they've tied up not only financials, right? Like so, the number of people who have put deposits down on conferences and retreats and whatever, but they've also invested all this time and energy. And for most youth ministers, like those experiences are part of that high that sort of motivates them and keeps them going in ministry, right? When you have those those experiences where you see it like click for young people, like that tends to happen most often um, on retreats or on um, mountaintop experiences. And so now you have these youth ministers who look forward to these things every year. They now don't know if A, they're going to happen or B, if they're ever going to happen at this point, right? We don't, we don't know. And so there's so much uncertainty wrapped up in that. And then when you tie that to your finances, right? The fact that I'm uncertain what's going to happen at the parish, but now I'm also uncertain if I can pay my rent next mm. month or maybe even this month. Like that's a scary thing. And so it really shifts our focus and it makes ministry really difficult to do. Yeah. And I mean, e- even if these events on the summer um, go on, we've, we, are, we are missing prime marketing time, you know, prime recruiting time to get people. Right. You know, so even if it happens and we know a month ahead of time that it's going to happen, then it's like, okay, we've got a month to get everybody there. Right. Yeah. And then you have to, you have to deal with the reality that there's going to be a, a portion of our population that is going to be afraid to go out right to a conference. Oh yeah. I'm going to send my son or daughter to a conference with 3000 youth. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not after what just happened in the last yeah. couple of months of their life. Like that's, that's not going to happen. And so there's going to be a major hit because I look at certain conferences like the Steubenville Youth Conferences that have made such an amazing impact. It's like, it's, it's phenomenal. And journeying with youth for me during that time is one of the ways that I build up rapport and I find the leaders and I figure out who I'm going to pour into, who I'm going to disciple and how we can grow them into. I mean, it stages the fall semester for me. Yeah. And now yeah. that's, that's, in, that's in peril. Yeah. Well, and, and we were, ta- we were talking about ministry events and uh, what's being canceled and everything like that. And those pivotal moments in the transition of uh, discipleship, like Easter is canceled. I mean, Easter is not canceled, but, you know, the Easter celebration is like, I don't know how many parishes or how many dioceses are actually going to have um, the RCIA actually happening and people getting confirmed and coming into the church. That is, that is, that is a huge day for the church and a huge day, day for them. What does that look like when it's not on Easter day? Right. You know, um, eventually they will, you know, have a, you know, um, have that sacrament, celebrate those sacraments, but it won't be on Easter. Yeah. There's something, there's something that's lost in that because the liturgical year is such an amazing, um, uh, well, an amazing teacher really to say, this is the time where we celebrate the, 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 the roll away the stone. And uh, <laughs> it's like, nope. Because it's going to take more than ten people gathered to roll away the stone, and that's not permitted in uh, in this county right now. You know, like it's just oh. it's so hard. Um, yeah. Part of the church is community, and this community it has to live out in a different way right now, right? And yep. we talked about that last week with domestic church. Um, but I think the other piece about it is like the community can be fractured if we don't lean in and figure out how are we going to to, to do that. And there's a lot of people out there, ministry leaders, that feel unqualified with mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. right? So, like, I am great with, uh, I have the gift of play, as someone said. So I'm great when I'm in front of the teens, and we've got some downtime, or we're just chatting, and I can, real quick and, and, and witty, and just kind of land and make connections. 
But when I'm making a phone call and being like, hey, is Billy there? Hey, Billy, how are things going? It's not as dynamic. And so I feel I feel kind of uh, inadequate in this new realm, this this current situation. Right. It's it's a definitely a new skill set. And most youth ministers didn't get into ministry because they're really good on the phone mm. or because they're really good on video. <laughs> right. Like that's it's just a different skill set. And so the fact that we're having to figure out how we take um, those skills, especially if you've been in ministry a long time. Right. Because you're in sort of a routine of this is how I do ministry. This is I've I've learned what my charisms are and I'm living ministry in light of those charisms. And now those things that maybe I used to be good at, like play, uh, are, aren't really in, in play anymore, right? They're not really available for us. And so we're having to figure out not only how to continue to do ministry, but we're having to learn new technology platforms. Um, and we're facing a, as much as the stress and stuff is hurting youth ministers, like we're serving a group of young people who are hurting also who are suffering from that same fear and anxiety and disappointment and uncertainty because their entire life has been thrown upside down. And and so, and they're in truthfully, they're in even less control than we are because they're, they're at the the whims of their parents um, and the schools they're, they're going to, to decide really what their future looks like. Yeah. One of the things I was talking to my team about on Wednesday was like just how unprecedented this is, you know, that, um, I, at no time in the history of our nation has the entire nation been told to stay home for weeks and weeks and weeks. This isn't normal. Like, and, and I think young people, since their experience, their time in this world is so short, it could be like, oh, well, is this just what life is like? Every, every few years or every so often, like the whole world stops. It's like, no, no, this is not normal. And in that, in my mind, helps to, uh, I don't know, just show the gravity of where we are. Like even like the Great Depression, like 9-11, um, they've, they had huge impacts, you know, on our nation. But this is like, I feel like this is Great Depression level type stuff um, without necessarily trying to get into all doomsday, you know, stuff. But like the rate of unemployment is, is going to beat the rate that happened at the, at, in the Great Depression. Um, and the effects that that's going to have. So this is, I think the the gravity of it helps to um, to wrestle with. Okay, this isn't normal, and what I'm going through I, absolutely stinks. But this is just so massive. I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like that helps, but maybe it doesn't. Well, it's long lasting as well, and I think Michael, you touched on it about some of the plans that we had for summer, but also some of the plans that we might have had for our fall semester. Right. You know, maybe that retreat or that speaker that we wanted to bring in um, that event or it, it's the amount of time it's going to take parishes to recover. Some parishes to recover, even to the point where they're able to hire back some of the people. Right. It, it's 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 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. Easy. Easy. 18 to 24 months. And uh, and so what does that look like now for some of those parishes, some of those communities that have been used to having full-time ministry leadership and those ministries aren't going to be there when, uh, when the stay safe, stay home, uh, you know, the, the lock and place shelter in place orders have all gone away. 
there's going to be certain things that are going to have vacancies. And that's going to be true in other industries as well. I know a number of restaurants and things like that that have uh, closed their doors permanently because of this. Um, but as ministry leaders, that that hurts our heart because we live in those communities, right? And if, if you've lost your job, you are still a parishioner at that parish, and it's just an empty office now. And that's that's brutal. And it's, and it's hard, and it's going to be a really awakening of this realization that the church right now functions in a consumer culture. And Mm -hmm. so the more the church does, the more people give, right? And so when you're looking at parishes that are super active, right, they have strong youth ministry programs or they have outreach programs and different things, people see the things they do and think, hey, I want to support those things, right? But when people see a parish that doesn't have those things, they think, why would I give money? The parish, the church isn't even doing anything. Right. And so the problem is going to be, you're going to have this season of the church where she's going to be doing a lot less, but needing a lot more financial contribution. And at least traditionally, that's not how Catholics step up to, to give money, right? They don't give money with the future in mind. They give money to meet um, what's being done for them, right? And so we have to figure out how we help people come into this new mindset of needing to invest in the future and needing to see tithing for what it really is, that it's worship, that it's an act of giving what God has placed in our control. Right? And so it, it's become really difficult and it's going to be really hard because most pastors have a really hard time talking about money and they're going to have to have some really real conversations with their faith communities in order to be able to get out of this. And, and the, the tough thing is when they have those conversations, when they send out those emails, like they, they seem insensitive because I, I think it's just the lens that we look at it from like as parishioners is like, well, why are you asking money at a time like this? It's because the time like this is ma- making me fire people like in, in, in causing me to, to cut stuff we're doing. So it's, it's not at a, like coming from a, I don't know, a greedy thing or a, a, a me, me, me thing. But I think that's what people see when they see those emails give online or whatever. But it's like, if anybody listening to this, like if you can talk to one, two to five different people to ask them, have you given electronically to your parish since this happened? Um, if we can encourage that to, to happen, then that will, the, the church will recover quicker from this rather than just waiting on that Sunday then you know, when we actually start going to mass again. Right. But, but how dare you? I just lost my job and you father are calling me to ask for money, you know? And, and so how, how can we as ministry leaders take a pastoral approach while at the same time acknowledge like, Hey, you know how I've been serving your, your, your youth. I'd like to continue to do that. <laughs> like I'd like to have a job when this is all over. And, uh, and I think that's a real conversation that needs to be had as well, even if it means risking um, stepping on toes and being like, but, but I think if we connect with people on a personal level, there's a, a, a mutual success because they want to have ministries when they return, when everything yeah. gets back yes. to normal. What would it look like if, if the pastor of every parish said, okay, guys, um, I, I am, I'm, I'm going to give us two weeks. I'm going to give us a month of, of your normal pay but your 40 hour a week job is to call every single person. I want you to call them. I want you to ask how they're doing. I want you to see what their life is like, see how they've been affected, how we can pray for them. 
And if perchance they still have the capacity to give, ask them to give. If they don't, then don't ask. You know, if they've lost their jobs, if they've taken a severe pay, don't ask. Just let them know that we're praying for them. Um, what would it look like? Like, what would the church look like if, if, they, if it wasn't just about like getting donations, <laughs> you know, but if it was about reaching to our community and seeing how they're doing? And then if they have the capacity, asking them to, to join in, you know, with the parish. Right. That's that is radical, first of all. Like, <laughs> but it should how, be. <laughs> how dare we as church reach out to people in their places of need? Um, but no, like <laughs> it is. And it, it's it is making this realization that as a church staff, whether you're a youth minister or um, facilities director or DRE, right? Like your role is drastically different today than it was a month ago, two weeks ago, even. And to realize that you have to embrace that new role in order for there to be a future um, for the life of your parish. And Absolutely. really, truthfully, in order for you to live out the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if nobody's coming to the church property, then we don't need to be worrying about making sure the bathrooms are clean at the, at the church. Like, how do we take that time and energy? and put it into something else. Yeah. So in the midst of all this, like, like I'm a ministry leader. I've lost my job. What do I do? Um, on a certain level, you do the same thing you would do anytime you lost any job. You, you try to find another one. Um, if, if you're competing with that job, with the number of people that are going to be unemployed, that's going to be tough. Um, so then you've got that whole unemployment, filing for unemployment stuff going on, which is devastating. Most church workers can't even file for unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, so on top of that, like we don't have answers, you know, for all of this, but we, we are building a community. Right, Michael? Right. And so like the, the thing is, right. Like I, I wish, like, oh, we wish we had the money to be like, oh, you lost your job. Let me pay you for a month while you figure it out. Like we, we don't have that. But what we do have is we have the strength of community. It's something that we have spent years building um, in good times and in bad times. And so for you to understand that you're not alone in this struggle, right? Not only are you not alone because there are other people going through this, but you're also not alone because there's people who care about you and who want to continue and to invest in you, regardless of what your title is, right? Like a lot of times as youth workers, we get so wrapped up on our identity with the ministry we do that when we lose that job or we leave that, that position, we struggle with where we fit in because, well, I don't really, I'm not really part of the youth ministry community anymore. Cause I'm not a youth minister, but we're not, we're not concerned about that. Like what we, what we want you to understand is we love you. That you matter that we really do want to continue to invest in you regardless of what your job looks like, regardless of what your title or position is. And so we're working on our end to build a community that's just open to anybody who has lost their job, whose salary has been cut, whose budget has been cut, like anybody who's sort of in this world where they don't know what to do. They don't know, they don't know how to kind of live in this, this new ecosystem that we're in. Awesome. Are there any details on that yet? Yeah. So uh, we're still working through what that looks like and how we're going to do that. We really, our focus is you. Like we really want to figure out how we can best serve you. And so the best way um, to, to find out more about that 
is to just head to projectwam.com slash help. Um, and we're just building a resource. We just want to help you. We're still working from the ground up trying to figure out how we best serve you, but we want to connect with you. We want to help. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated or hurt. Um, because I don't know a minister, uh, I, I don't know a good ministry leader out there that doesn't, doesn't give more, mm. doesn't give more than they've, they've ever been compensated, you know? And, uh, and then for that compensation to be taken away. And I, I, you know, and to be honest, there's plenty of ministry leaders out there that have taken a pay cut just to be in ministry. Hmm. Right, that they have left secular jobs or had have skill sets that would be compensated on a different level, and even now it's hard because you, you can always kind of have that in the back of your mind. Yeah, if I ever went corporate, then I'd be able to make some money with my this degree or that degree. Well, now that's not an option hmm. because of the unemployment rate. You, you'd be you'd be putting your resume out there with other people that have ten years experience. Well, your ten years of experience, you've given that to the church, hmm. right? And so even then, like, there's a sense of betrayal there. It's like, and now the church has let me go, and I want to enter into the uh, the secular world to, to be able to have a job, and I can't get it because everyone else has 10 years' experience, and I, I gave that time to the church. And so it's okay. I want to give you ministry leaders permission to be frustrated, to be hurt, to be angry, um, but also to journey with each other. I think it's important that—, that even digitally, which is typically the way that ministry leaders journey with each other on some of the Facebook groups and things like that. But like journey with each other, try and be there for each other. Let's lift each other up in prayer. And, uh, and, and it doesn't make sense. I don't think there's a turnkey solution. I wish there was, it'd be a a great podcast, like how to fix everything. Um, and Michael, this group wouldn't just be for youth ministers or even, um, yeah, because we've got, we've got people that listen to this that are like professionals who volunteer. Yeah. In, in ministry, we have uh, those who work in RCIA, directors of religious education, all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll say what I tell people all the time. Like my my background, my experience, my heart is in youth ministry. And so when we launch things, there's definitely a youth ministry focus, but we're all working together in the church. And so all are welcome, right? Like, And so we really, we're looking to serve as many people as we can. Um, just realize when I speak, I speak from a youth ministry lens because that's the world I know. Absolutely. So what else do we have for them, guys? Like this is, uh, this is crazy. <laughs> I think we'd be um, missing it if we didn't talk about some of the positive things, right? So one of the things that's happened in light of this is innovation, mm. right? As a church across multiple fronts, you're seeing people innovate um, and really explore new methods of ministry. Now, some would argue these are things we probably should have been doing for years, but um, this has sort of been a, an instigator, I feel like, for the church um, and people within the church to really step out and start doing some innovative things. Like, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, just through your, your, your journey through Facebook over the last week, are you seeing people do cool new things that um, are, worth, are worth highlighting or are just worth um, us being excited about? Absolutely. I, like, to a certain extent, I'm seeing way too much, like way too many people <laughs> like are, are broadcasting now. Um, but it, it's really neat to see, to see it on, on all fronts, not just ministry side. Now the, a lot of this has been done in the past, but like workout stuff and, and actually having a workout community, you know, online through zoom or whatever, you know, that's being forced like with every single gym is going to, is having to do it now, you know? Um, the uh, the number of masses being you know live streamed you know is uh, is 
crazy, crazy. and parishes that never would have done it. Right. That would never do it, you know, um, because they don't have the technology. It's like, oh, well, now I'm doing it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't call that innovative. You know, I mean, for them it is. So, so last night um, on, on Twitter, and I'm not normally someone who spends much time on Twitter, but Dave Matthews broadcast a concert from his living room, like just Dave and a guitar in his living room. Like that's so cool. Just, like <laughs> the, the fact that we are now living in a world where celebrity status doesn't really change your situation. Like you're still stuck at home trying to figure out how you continue to to do your thing um, in this new world. Um, I think for us, like we sort of stumbled into a, a ministry that I think has blown our minds um, as we're trying to figure out how we do church um, in this new environment. So we launched um, just last weekend, the Project Wham Live, um, which is really the goal was, how do we help youth ministers who are struggling to figure out how to minister to young people who are now balancing all these different things and if they're like, you know, I think the three of us um, now have a bunch of children in our houses all day, every yeah. day, trying to figure out <laughs> how that stop. works. Um, they can't go anywhere. Um, so like there's just this new reality of like, how do we continue to do ministry without burning out? And so we thought, well, what if we could take one thing off their plate? What if we could gather um, teenagers from across the country together for a youth night and we could broadcast it and we could, you know, pull some strings and bring in some big voices, some big names before we get into that, like, what did we think about this idea the first time it came up? It was crazy. Like, <laughs> he said, like, no. No joke. So, <laughs> so it, what's funny is, so when we first talked about it, when Chris first brought it up, like, it was long before, it was weeks before any major announcements about school closings, right? And so, my, my really, my two initial responses were, well, this is dumb. Nobody's going to be closing schools. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> How do we, we do that? Um, <laughs> so, you're telling me Chris is prophetic. Maybe, or maybe it's all your fault, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it could be my fault. Yeah, that's <laughs> speak the future into existence. Um, but and, and really, like the technology side is daunting. Like even for me, like as somebody who I live in a technological world, right? like Project William has for years been at the front of pushing the envelope and using technology in ministry. Like we've been broadcasting live training events for youth ministers since long before that was a thing, like nine years ago, we had to pay big money in order to broadcast. And like, it was before we got to click a button and be like on live and on Facebook. Right. Um, and so just the dauntingness of it. Um, and really not sure if there was a strong need for it. Like, yeah, would, maybe there's not a need and it's going to be way too much work and I'm not yeah. sure the technology can support it or if it yeah. does, I don't know if we could afford that. Correct. Yeah. All Correct. That and so, and so really like, we, we kind of had a couple conversations about it. And I think at least in my mind, if we had a thousand teenagers show up for this, like that would be just overwhelmingly crazy. Like, a raging who, success. You know, I, and so we were, we were originally talking about numbers and costs and, um, you know, the costs of these kind of things go up the more people who are watching um, just from a bandwidth standpoint. Um, and like when we kind of mentioned a thousand people, like and really in my mind, I was like, oh, well, we won't ever get that number. So that's not really a big deal. Like as long as we keep it under a thousand, we'll be fine. And we announced <laughs> this to a bunch of parish leaders. And like in, in 48 hours, we had like five, 600 um, parishes say, yeah, I want this. And yeah. we launched it on the weekend, which like the marketing side of me would tell you, like you never launch things on a weekend. Like that's stupid. Right. Um, but like the, the, the 
the, the draw to it has just been overwhelming. And so this past Sunday, we were able to do this, this first Project Lamb live gathering and truly, even at that point, didn't really know what to expect. Um, and over the course of the night, it was an, it's an hour-long broadcast where we, we pray together, we play some games together, we worship together, and we learn um, together from somebody who's just you know, more brilliant than us. And we had over 10,000 young people, um, 10,000 households, families across the country, even up into Canada, um, joining us for Which the night. Which is crazy. And, like, you know, by the time we got to the night, we had what, 1,200 parishes signed up? Yeah, well, yeah, well, I think it was so over like 1,500. Over your, over your yeah. estimation of young people participating, yeah. we had parishes oh. signed up. And like, and, <laughs> and like to me, like, it's, it's, it's cool and awesome, and like the stuff we were able to do is great, but like, the, the realization to me as we finished was we just had 10,000 teenagers across the country worshiping together from their living rooms. Yep. Like that's a, that's a mind blowing concept. Like, yep. just, like never, never would have thought like that was a, a thing that was possible. And look, it, it's, it's been awesome to see the response, but it's been awesome to see that people are still signing up. Like as of today, we have 20, over 2,300 parishes signed on <laughs> to be a part of this. Like that's, wow. that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and and so we're, we're stoked and we're excited um, to be able to continue into that. So as far as we're concerned, it's happening every Sunday night until um, something else happens. But yeah. like we're, we're excited to be able to continue to bring in some just amazing voices um, to continue to speak into the lives of young people. So it's well, a- and, that, and that's actually been part of the beauty behind it as well is asking and inviting people to be a part of it. They are so excited to be able to say, I can still pour into youth. Some of these national speakers who have had every single speaking gig canceled uh, for them for the next three months. They're like, I can still have a voice and still pour, pour out my message that God has given my heart yes. to these youth. And they've been excited to help. It's been fun. Absolutely. Sure. You know, and so that's one way that we've seen innovation happening um, and, and kind of exciting things happening through this. And this is like the next one that I'm thinking of is, is, is like the bright side of the sadness of not being able to receive the Eucharist, not right. being able to go and celebrate Mass. The bright side is um, the thirst and the hunger that is happening in, in yeah. God's people. Um, I, I can imagine that even those that just go once a month, that just go occasionally before yeah. this, they're still hungering and thirsting for it because it's like, well, now I can't just go whenever. Like I, yeah. I, I'm not even getting my one chance to go. Yeah. Um, I, and so I, I think that that's going to be really neat to see. And I, like, I'm, I'm excited that first mass back, like what that's going to look like and, and what, what my heart's going to do, you know, at that mass, just anticipating that. And I'm, I'm anticipating the same thing um, in, a, in a lot of other people, you know, so there's, I think there's something exciting about that hunger that's being created. I was meeting with some teens uh, via video on Wednesday. And one of the things that one of them said was, look, normally during the year, like I skip mass all the time and I don't even think about it. Like it doesn't even whatever like i just i just don't go but now like i'm missing it for the first time in my life like i'm missing that encounter and so i think it's really interesting to see what god is going to do in the midst of this desert experience uh, i think to to really draw people back to him yeah i don't know if you guys have had the same experience of 
like this is enough for Lent. Like whatever I was giving up for Lent before, it's you know I I, I don't I'm not going to mass. <laughs> that's not a sacrifice, but that's a, that's definitely desert. You yes. know, um, and so I don't. I, yeah, I don't know if other people have the same experience or the same thought. I'm not giving people like license to cancel their their Lenten observances, but um, I I sure the heck have had a hard time keeping mine. But but I believe that in the church uh, we're going to enter into a a Lent kind of like what we talked about at the beginning that like, I think that we're going to be in a season of, uh, of a desert, uh, you know, for another 18 months after this, you know, and that's, that's a hard piece when we are celebrating the resurrection in Easter time and are still doing it from our TVs or our laptops, um, away from our parish. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, we were talking to some people about, so Project Ram Life continues week after week. And so we were talking about what's happening on Palm Sunday um, and one of the responses was, well, are you, are you giving out virtual palms? And like, just thinking about like, palms are kind of a silly thing really, like, but that, that tangible experience, that tangible connection to the life of the church is so missing, right? Yeah. Like the fact that I no longer can hold that palm as an, as a, a memory and as an encounter in that experience of Palm Sunday liturgy is crazy. Like just like, it's just a crazy thought. To think that and like we were looking we still have um our poems from last year they're i don't know one of my children folded them into a cross or whatever it's everybody does in, in our in our <laughs> living room right um but, i mean full disclosure i can't do that like i feel like i try every year and my crosses are <laughs> give it to the four-year-old but like just look at like they're dry and they're cracked and they're whatever but like that was a a relic of a different time almost right like that was a time where we could actually physically be a part of liturgy in the same space. And it's just a crazy world we live in right now. Yeah, I, uh, we, we found out that, the di- that our diocese was not going to have public masses. Um, and I had gone to mass that morning. And, at, and when I found that out, I was like, how differently would I have entered into mass this morning had I known that was my last mass for a month, a month and a half, two months? You know, and that was really convicting for me. Yeah. Um, just with regards to like how much I take for granted the ability to go to mass every single day, even if it was just once, you know, once a week, you know, still taking that for granted and not really entering into it like I should. Um, so I think that this is this, I, I hope this is a good, you know, I don't know, convicting, strengthening time for all of us, even those of us who are ministry leaders, you know, um, how, how differently would you have entered into the last mass you went to? How'd you know it was your last one? I think one of the things that was really interesting to me, I had a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who works at a parish and she's in charge of the live stream of mass. And so she gets to go to mass every week um, and participate in part of that. And as she was talking about that experience and about how like, just because of, of her role and her position, she's getting to do something that Catholics across the country are longing for, that she's getting that, that experience. And I think um, for me, it was reminiscent of um, the story of the wedding at Cana, because one of the most profound things that happens to me in the story of the wedding at Cana is it's the servants who get to experience the miracle. Because no one else even realizes what happens, right? It's the servants who put water in the basin, who drew water from the jar, who realize that something incredible happened, 
They got to experience at their hands the miracle of the water becoming wine. The steward didn't see that. Mary didn't see that. It was those servants, the lowliest of the people in there. And I think this idea that those of us who, who work for the church are going to get to start really experiencing the miracle of God in different and profound ways because our role as servants. Mm. And maybe that's because you get to do the live stream and you get to experience mass, but maybe it's because you get to be the one, like Matt said, on the phone talking to the people of God and finding out what's going on. You get to be the one organizing community in this world that's longing for it, right? We have this unique position, this unique role to be the witnesses of the miracle. And I think that a lot of times we get so distracted by the fact that there's all this work to do that we, we don't realize how much fruit we get to see that other people don't. Yeah, very true. Well, you guys, um, let's keep praying for ministry leaders. And uh, for those who have lost their job, know that you are still a ministry leader. Amen. Right. Yes. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called to be ministry leaders. And, uh, and so to continue to share God's love in the ways that we can and in this time, um, share it with each other too. We need to support each other during this time. So thank you, Michael, for joining us. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. And we are going to uh, post that link on the Next Level Ministry Facebook page so you guys can find it easily. Um, but Michael, what is it again? It's projectym.com slash help. All right. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone and share this podcast with everyone that's hurting. Amen. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for the church, pray for the ministry leaders. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.